You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to G-Talk, Girl We Heard's podcast and new platform for girls to express themselves beyond the stage. I'm your host, Zoe Norman Hunt. One, two, three, four. Listen up. Time for girls, all of us, to take the stage. Girl, we heard what? Today, we'll be listening in on a conversation with company members Jordan Sanchez and Christiana Colon, who starred in Girl We Heard's 2018 main stage show, Indivisible, Liberty and Justice for Who. They will perform State of the Union and the theme song Real America from Indivisible and engage in a conversation about democracy. And a quick heads up, Christiana is calling in, preparing to leave for her first year at Syracuse University. kind of like going through your mind as you were writing it because there are so many ways that the phrase real America could be interpreted so how did you decide what that meant to you well what inspired me to write real America was I think looking at the political climate and who our president is so I wanted to write about what America is supposed to be and not what he was projecting I kind of phrased it or framed it rather after the national anthem. So I made it like a rap version of that. Like even the beginning song is the same thing mm-hmm. as the national anthem. So I was like, you know what? How about I have that instead of whatever the national anthem says, I can just put <laughs> what it should be. That whole finding some old piece of literature or music or a piece of art America really cherishes, but like changing it and flipping it on his head was something that we ended up doing a lot in the show. 
Yeah, definitely. I feel like it's always that way, though, like having something that like you can mirror your art after and just like taking that further and connecting like whether it's politics or just something you care deeply about, just connecting the two. The thing is, yours is very like different and genius in the sense of like how specifically like you wrote it and the rhetoric you use. Fellow citizens of America, scratch that. Let's be frank here for a moment. I just said that to make you feel as though we're on the same level, but come on. I'm the president, you're the citizen. Let's get that straight. I'm so humbled and grateful for this position. Really, wow. Thanks for voting me in here and giving me the opportunity to change the nation for the better. Let's all take a moment to thank the previous president for their service. Now I'm going to get into the meat of this speech the part that actually required a speechwriter. I'm going to talk about America from its past to present and connect it with the thread of patriotism, which will make you all internally chant, USA, 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 and look at me with awe as you shower me with applause. I'm going to talk about where we are, or the status quo as CNN calls it to sound professional. Now I'll say, although we've made a lot of progress on insert random problem here, We still have yet to find a solution, even though we've made absolutely no progress on it whatsoever. I'll look down at that corner over there and pose with a sad look on my face as if I'm reflecting on the issue, when really I'm just posing for a nice shot. You got that one, Joe? Anyway, this problem is getting worse and worse, and this is supported by facts and statistics. But I'm the president, I don't actually have to tell them to you. Now I'm going to tell you a hard but well-known truth. People die. And you all in the first row are going to get real sad about that. Joe, get some good pictures of these lovely people. You're all going to think, wow, that is so terrible. How have they let it get to this point? Even though you have no control over it. I'm going to build you back up now. I'll talk about the glorious efforts of the Patriots in the Revolutionary War. And will remind you yet again that we were once a ragtag army who defeated an international power and that we are destined for greatness. Now I'll make a reference to slavery, as if anyone forgot about that, and remind you of how the Northern and Southern brothers and sisters reunited under a policy of freedom, despite the prejudices African Americans faced since then. But I won't talk about the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882, the Immigration Act of 1924, or the Japanese internment camps, despite how desperately those seem to be mentioned as well. Notice how this is the only prejudice I'll mention in this speech, besides sexism, of course, because feminists voted for hashtag MeToo. Almost with perfect timing, at the mention of women, I'll look up at my beautiful wife in the audience right over there. Stand up, come on, don't be shy. Now wave. Good, you can sit down now. I'm mainly doing this to convey to you all that I love her dearly and have not had relations with any other woman. Getting back on track here, I'll say that America's had a lot of problems, but we have overcome them each and every time, when in reality, we haven't. But like a true American, you all clap from pride for your country. Come on, bask in the glory of this beautiful nation. In the future days which we seek to make secure, we look forward to a world founded upon four essential human freedoms. The first is freedom of speech. The second is freedom of every person to worship God in his own way. The third is freedom from wants, and the fourth is freedom from fear. FDR said that once in 1941, and I'll be honest, I just said that to make you feel a little bit more patriotic. 
Anyway, I'll quickly go over my platform and actual policies, but not in enough detail for the Republican Congress to object to them. I'm just going to use nice words and phrases. They'll give me some substance. Phrases like national security, human rights, unity, world peace, global warming, refugees, healthcare, immigration. Although you may completely disagree with these overwhelmingly strong opinions, I'm going to remind you all that I am your president. I represent all of you. I'm here for all of you. Even though I very obviously aligned with one of the dominating groups of this two-party system in order to win, so really, I'm only here for half of you, but let's pretend I'm a unifying force. Right here, I'll make some broad statement that gives you all some sort of hope for the future. Something that'll make you think, wow, maybe they'll be the ones who really make some change in this country, before you realize I'm the same as all the others. I won't actually accomplish anything, but I'll blame it on my corrupt congressmen and women so you all hate them, not me. I've reached a time limit now, and quite frankly, I ran out of things to say, so I'll just end with these words. God bless you, and God bless America. I just wanted to know, like, what was going through your mind when you decided you were going to write it the way you wrote it? Kim kind of gave it to us as a prompt, and we had another one with the Liberty poem. But she was like, okay, I want everyone to have a State of the Union piece. And I was like, uh, okay. And she was like, okay, if you were president, like, what would you say? I started watching a lot of old ones, and I was thinking about my AP US history teacher, all the things that she said, and how she rips on politicians all the time. And I was like, oh, you know what? That is so funny, because they all say the same thing. And it feels like some of it is genuine. But sometimes it's like, okay, if everyone else can say this, how personal is this really to you? Mm -hmm. I, you mentioned the political climate being a motivation for you to write Real America. So in general, what are your opinions about it? Well, it's a hot mess. The 2020 elections looming and like both sides are just, you know, going crazy. Republicans and Democrats is definitely not something I'm looking forward to especially being able to vote in the next election. Like this year was my first time like seriously following the election or at least the primary debates because last year I saw the right. Bernie one. I was like, okay, Bernie, because everyone else in school likes him. It's just so crowded. And I think that's my biggest complaint. It's like 23 or it was at some point. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many it is now. It's cool that you just like build up. Yeah. Or, you know, load up with ammunition so that they're, like, stronger to go against Trump or whoever the Republican exactly. nominee will be. Because mm. if you have so many people, there's not going to be that one person that there's yeah. going to be, like, focus on. You watched the CNN debate? Yes, I watched both of them. What were your thoughts about that? It's very hard to stay consistent in politics, just the way yeah. the system is set up. You want to lean one way to get votes, then lean the other to get the money. So it's like, okay, where do you actually stand? Definitely. Like when you nominate someone, you nominate every part of them. So you should look at every part of them. And I don't know. It's it's just hard because part of me is like, oh, you're being too picky. And then I'm like, I can't ignore their past because to me, like you're only as good as your last performance. And if your last performance uh -oh. isn't cute, then I don't know, man. <laughs> you gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Speaking on like the whole owning your past situation, I did have to say like that first first debate or the first second debate oh god there have been so many um pete Buttigieg, he had that shooting of that black man in his state 
And they were like, oh, like, what would you have done differently? I like, oh, like had this happen. He's like, what happened is I failed. And I was like, I had me respect for him because I was mm-hmm. like, he can admit when he fails. He admitted, so, yes, yeah. yes. So I much. feel like a lot of the times, well, people in general, but let's yes. just focus on politicians. They <laughs> have, like, they're scared, I guess, to, like, own up to it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. to me, I, and I feel like to a lot of people, they would respect the person who would own up to it. Like, listen, yeah. I did, like, I should have done better. I failed. But here's what we're going to do. Like, here's what I'm going to do differently. Mm-hmm. So... I feel like you should own whatever, like, your past is and also, like, think about moving forward and moving into the future. What do you think, in your opinion, like, we can do to change this outcome for 2020? I mean, the obvious one is to vote. But I think aside from that, we have to be willing to talk about these things but with people who are older than us and people who disagree with us. Um, when I was at a college open house slash tour thing, the Institute of Politics were hosting a debate and it was like very polarizing topics like immigration reform, economic policy, climate change, and obviously gun reform. And I was just so happy to know that people our age and a little bit older than us, like college students, are getting excited and are motivated to talk with each other, with people they really disagree with. In America, we have a two-party system and it supports this kind of environment where this half only believes this thing and then this half believes the other. People start saying, oh, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, instead of saying, I believe in this and I believe in that. And even though I don't always agree with like my representatives all the time, I don't know. I feel like having open conversations about what it means to be a voter. I noticed in the debates was like, okay, us Democrats need to beat the Republicans. We can't think about what the Republicans are going to say. Blah, 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 Republicans. Although it's like cool to have an identity that everyone can bond over, it creates this really polarized environment that isn't good and doesn't encourage political discussion. And also you have to think about like the other parties that do exist that struggle to get their voices heard because like the two, the two parties that like are the majority are just so dominant. It really makes you think like is it really a democracy if all voices all policies are not being heard no things need to change and i actually learned about that in comparative government this past year and we were talking about how the two-party system is really due to the way the electorate votes are set up because we have single member districts or first past the post and Like, meanwhile, in other places, like, for example, the UK, when they have proportional representation, that allows for, like, five, six, seven parties to be represented in the system. And when they do that, the politicians tend to be more diverse themselves based on, like, racial background, sexuality, gender. Mm -hmm. Although part of it is the culture of America, it really is just ingrained in our society. And we are one of the few countries that have never changed their government. We've had the same regime since we were founded. That's so crazy. <laughs> and that kind of relates to the Electoral College. It's in, so outdated. Yeah, in sophomore year, people, like, two kids actually created whole, like, presentations, 10-minute speeches on this, and they were like, okay, well, people change and migration patterns change, and that's the main reason why, like, those systems were in place was to give, like, bigger voices to people in like basically the middle of the country, anyone who didn't live on the coast. 
And now that more people are living there, obviously still not as much as the cities, you kind of have to think about, okay, are we going to give the cities an overwhelming voice because like New York City alone has 8 million people? Or are we going to actually do this by population or something else because we don't want the smaller states to not be heard, but we have to acknowledge the power of the 8 million people in New York City? So is this whole like Tuesday being the day you vote situation. You know why that Mm -hmm. is? Why? Uh, Okay, so before it was you had to take a horse and buggy to go to the voter station was the was like the whole mindset. Saturday was the only day of the weekend. Sunday was the day of God. Monday was supposed to be the travel day. We're not using horses and buggies anymore. Mm-hmm. Make it Saturday nights or like Friday nights after work. And that especially happens in low-income communities of mm-hmm. colors, like those really, really long waits and not having enough like little boots and sometimes they break. Um, we're lucky enough to have a voting little center like right across the street from us. And they always wake up and go vote at like 7 a.m. or something like that, like something really early so that they don't have to wait. Mm. And that's so inconvenient, like especially people in impoverished neighborhoods that want their voices to be heard. Like I, there are a lot of things that get in the way, like they have to go to work or as you said, Jordan, the waiting is just too long. Or sometimes like the nearest voting center is like deep. (laughs) So just to travel and everything, I think they that's one of the other things that we need to think about is like reforming the voting system. The 18 to 29 like young people voting range, they have consistently had like the lowest turnout percentage. Yeah. Um, even though it's increased since like 2014 to now, um, they still have the lowest. And a big part of that is like college campuses and how there are no like mm-hmm. boots there and how kids aren't sure if they should request an absentee ballot or actually travel home to vote and that whole process is just smoke and mirrors like my mom always tells me the story of the first time she voted um she was in college and basically the shuttle for the like they one they had to take a shuttle to the actual wow and these are college students so they have like exams coming up they have finals and some some of them just want to sleep and stay home so you have to like really help them vote on their terms the democrat shuttle was really like booked up and she was like oh i had to call the republican shuttle and here we are three black girls like flirting with these old white men so they could take us and we vote democrat anyway (laughs) but the fact that like that story even exists although it's like absolutely hilarious the fact that they had to go through that to even get their voice heard in a society where it's supposed to be the norm um i think it's crazy Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Actually, I never realized this, especially after performing my piece and hearing your piece literally like 14 days or something like that in a row. It says, um, life, liberty, <laughs> literally. <laughs> life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is in both of our pieces. Oh, in what wow. ways has this promise not been met? In all of them? <laughs> <laughs> For example, the, the recent shootings that's happened, that's going against the promise of just people having the right to life, to live. There can be a lot that can be done about this. Just have stricter gun laws, have stricter back, um, background checks. Like, you know, politicians are not doing as they should. They're not protecting these rights that were promised. Definitely, like, we're being let down. Those promises are not being met. That's what yeah. I first thought of, too. I was like, okay, well, look at all the black boys, girls, men, women, non-gender conforming people uh-huh. who have been shot and killed for no valid reason. No reason at all. Mm-hmm. Just living. Um, I wrote a piece about this of March 24th, 2018. That's when we were at the March for Our Lives. And I wrote a piece in, like, named after the date about how the gun movement is just school shootings. And it's very, like, white centric, even though, right. like, I'm glad the movement is here. I'm glad it's yeah, brought to yeah. the forefront, but we need to remember that black and Hispanic kids have been dealing with a lot of these gun violence issues. Um, since they were younger, for For, um, even though this conversation is great, we need to make sure that all people are included and it's not mm -hmm. just white children in public or private schools that are getting shot. I had, I experienced the same issue like last year when we had the student wide like march Mm -hmm. across the city. My school like participated, my club, Model UN, like actually organized the whole thing and like the advisor for the club wanted me to speak or like write a poem and say it at the um, march (laughs) and I was so like torn for the same reasons you said like I don't like comparing struggles at all like I couldn't help but think this is getting so much attention people don't give the same amount of attention to when it happens to the brown and black boys in our communities like it happens Mm -hmm. every single day every hour like every minute it's so sad so I feel like the same attention wasn't being given. But then I also realized we have to get change by any means necessary. We have to take it step by step. If for now that is getting more attention, I do agree with you. The conversation needs to be inclusive and include the brown and black boys, the lives of not only boys, of course, people from marginalized communities. This has been happening for like years, decades, centuries, and mm-hmm. it's not being talked about. I think it's something that needs to be talked about as well when we talk about shootings and the need for gun control. Um, I remember my mom was reading an article to me earlier this week. She was talking about this family that was in the emergency room, and then uh-huh. it was a black family, and then this really distressed-looking white guy walked in the black guy kind of moved to protect his family and someone was like oh why did you do that and he's like well because this white guy might come and shoot up the place and my wow. mom was like yeah that's white people crime um and she's like the reason why school shootings never happen in black and brown schools is because they already have the metal detectors and they're screening the kids and criminalizing them before they even do anything wrong when they have those metal detectors and stuff It's really to show and send the message to the students that you are not trusted 
and that we are watching. Mm-hmm. It's not something like, okay, we're here to protect you. Making the environment feel like a prison. That's what it feels like. Like you said, like we don't trust you enough, especially the fact that it happens in a lot of brown and black communities. That just goes to show they don't trust us. They already, when we are young, they're already criminalizing us. And in some ways that is being internalized. So Bronx Science is down the street from Clinton. And Clinton, obviously predominantly black and Hispanic, have metal detectors. And Bronx Science, predominantly white and Asian, we don't. Once a year, the NYC DOE requires like random screaming and the stuff like that. Oh yeah, my school does that as well. (laughs) And whenever it happens, the kids always throw a fit. And they're like, what the heck? We don't even need this. We never do anything wrong. Meanwhile, those kids are like, throwing their drugs in the bushes and stuff. So, Christiana, when did you learn that language had power? Well, I learned it in a negative way, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I was born and raised in Sierra Leone. I went to private schools there because, like, the public schools, which they call experimental schools, they're really bad, like, worse than the public schools here. (laughs) So my mom always just sent us to private schools. So, like, I knew English, And one of my first instances of learning that there was power in language, we were in school and always the teachers would be like, oh, don't speak in your native language, speak in English. And like you would get hit if you spoke in your native language from an early age. That's what happened. And then when I came here, I think I was like in middle school. There was an instance where my mom and I, I think we went shopping. And then she was trying to ask, like, one of the cashiers something. But my mom has, like, a very thick African accent. But, like, you can still understand what she's trying to say. So she was trying to ask the cashier something. And then the cashier very rudely was like, I don't understand what you're saying. I don't understand. Yeah, and my mom was trying her best to, like, you know, rephrase it. And then because she, she was just being so disrespectful. I feel like a lot of the times when you don't have proper understanding, like a language that's as that's put on a pedestal like English, then mm-hmm. your voice really doesn't matter. It, it took me a couple of years to think about it and was like, that's not right. If she had spoken without an accent, it would have been a, a different situation. It's so true. Like people tend not to respect the voices that don't speak English flawlessly. And most yes. people don't speak English flawlessly. In eighth grade, I had um, a Mandarin teacher, and she has been extremely successful. She goes around to big corporations in America and teaches them Mandarin if they want to expand into like the Chinese economy and market and stuff like that. This was one of the first times she was she taught like um, a middle school group of kids, and oh my gosh, like the whole experience was terrible like the kids always teased her for her english and sometimes she would skip over a word fine because like we understood what she was saying they never did that to any of like the white woman teachers and this was a primarily like black and brown school so your racism is showing guys this is really like not okay and i always like told that to my peers i'm like okay well you're learning a new language too well one she already knows the language yeah. Um, but two, you're learning something from her. So right. one, there should be that's all already, disrespectful. Exactly, like respect should already be there. But two, you make a whole bunch of mistakes because you're learning. Yeah. She doesn't 
like start making fun of you or calling you names and stuff like that when you slip up. Obviously, I never made fun of her because I love Mandarin. I still want to study it um, for the rest of my life. But some of my friends who did, like I was talking to them the other day, they were like, yeah, I really wish I didn't because that was really like rude and disrespectful of me. I'm like, okay, well, now you never get the chance to apologize to her. You'll never get the chance to kind of like make up for that. I learned the power of languages back in fifth grade. I had... I think she was my first black teacher ever. Um, Her name is Julianne Fairley. She's a published author. She writes a lot of children's books about black youth. She gave us like a random assignment, like a little memoir. And I really like, I did it up, man. Like I went above (laughs) and beyond. I wrote so many pages. I edited and re-edited and did everything. And she was like, you should be a writer, Jordan. You love writing that much. You keep doing all that. And I was like, oh, snap. Like, I think that was one of my first times, obviously, like, aside from my parents, seeing a very positive black role model, like a successful black woman. And even though black teachers for me are very far and few between, the few that I did have have really been impactful. And they show the other kids who may not be black in the classroom that like, hey, like black people are cool and they can be successful and they can uh-huh. they can speak in the African-American vernacular and still speak perfect English or whatever perfect English means. That's powerful. <laughs> what changes in our democracy do you want to see in the future? To sum up basically everything we've been saying for it to look like an actual democracy. You can't say that a democracy is when like everyone has a voice and everyone is represented and you have a bunch of mar- marginalized people. Uh, their voices are not being heard. They're being discriminated against. Mm-hmm. And they're not g- being given the rights. Everything that's stated in the Constitution, it's either that is revised or there needs to be implementation of what it actually says. Talk your talk, but also <laughs> like what you say you're going to do. Like, and that goes for like the politicians. For there to be actual changes, you have to go to the root and foundation of everything. And for me, I feel like that starts with the politicians. What about you? What do you think? Like, well, one, I agree with you completely. Changes are really difficult to implement because a lot of them, I feel like, starts with mindset. And it's like, I don't know how to teach someone to be compassionate or empathetic. So unless you teach people that their voice should be heard, it deserves to be heard. Some, or tell someone else that, hey, you need to listen to other people sometimes. I feel like that is the hardest part, but it's also something that's very necessary. And I'm not sure how we can do that. I feel like just getting certain people like exposed to certain mindsets that have not been exposed to people that, like us from the demographic we come from. We need to start exposing the different narratives from different demographics. I guess I have two things. The first one is that big problems feel a lot less intimidating when you think everyone else as your teammate and partner rather than a problem you have to solve overnight. No one has resolved human trafficking or racism in one day alone. They take big teams of people and when you start thinking of everyone else as a member of your team, they become a lot more manageable. Take ownership that you exist in this world and because of that this world is yours. I started thinking about that when when I was studying astrophysics and I was like, okay, cuz like part of the whole philosophy is like the universe is ours to understand. 
So I'm like, okay, that can be applied to literally anything. This world is ours to enjoy and live in and thrive in. As in like my country, my world, my earth, my home, my street. The shift of pronouns from theirs to mine. When you start thinking of everything else as yours, you start to care about it as well. I feel like a lot of the time who's black is like people not being able to put themselves in other people's shoes. Definitely people being able to think like, this is ours, this is our earth, this is our country, and we need mm-hmm. to start doing better, which is being more proactive and active in general. Using your voice when you have a voice. We saw that a lot, the 2016 elections, like people mm-hmm. that were eligible to vote not turning out to vote. That could have easily changed the outcome. So I feel like definitely people using their voice for what and standing up for what they believe in could definitely make a difference. This has been G Talk, a Girl Be Heard production. Thanks for listening. This episode has been produced by Zoe Norman Hunt and Brittany Applewhite. Our executive producers are Chi Caetano and Kim Sykes. I'm your host, Zoe Norman Hunt. To learn more about Girl Be Heard, go to our website at girlbeheard.org. And remember, it's not enough to talk. You must be heard. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Gapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.